Good morning, everybody. Let's turn our Bibles together to the book of Romans to chapter 8. And if you'd all join me in prayer, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for this great salvation which you have given us. Sweetness, Lord, of, of studying your word. Learning what it is that you have saved us from. Learning what's in store for us for all eternity, all by, by grace. Through faith, Lord, we we praise you for that. We thank you for our church. We thank you for each of the members that you have brought here, gifted in such sweet ways to minister to the rest of us. We pray, Lord, for, for unity within us. We pray that we would sharpen each other. We pray for the children and the children's ministry right now, Lord, that they would just be built up and encouraged they would fall more deeply in love with you this morning, as well as for us here in the sanctuary here. Lord, we, we, we also pray for Michelle and Randy Blair. Michelle lost her mother yesterday, Lord, and we just pray for just comfort on that family, um, that you would just minister to them. And... And we, we thank you for the confidence of knowing that she's with you in heaven, Lord. And so now as we approach your word, we do so humbly, knowing that we are totally dependent upon you to teach us, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 8. As um, so we continue our study in the book of Romans, we've come to Romans chapter 8, and it is called by many the greatest chapter in all the Bible. And uh, and so we are we are here in Romans chapter eight verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by setting his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This morning we will begin by looking primarily at the first part of this section where it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This past week, a pastor by the name of Saeed Abedini, American who was born in Iran, married an American, got saved in, I believe, the year 2000. He, He had a passion to go back to Iran and evangelize, minister the gospel. 
God saved him and, and just had, he had an incredible passion to minister to the lost. He had worked with many of the house churches, from what we're told, in Iran. And from what we're told, there's many of them. And had begun working with building an orphanage there in Iran. A few years back, he was arrested, um, but let go. And, uh, and upon returning this last September, he was arrested again. He's spent the last several months in September in a prison. Um, a prison that, that is... It's called Evan Prison, and it's known as one of the most brutal prisons in the world. I read about it, and we're told that it's one of the most brutal and infamous of all prisons. The beatings that take place there are regular, incredible, incredible torture. There's mock executions and interrogations that are are just terrible. There's over 15,000 inmates that are in this prison. And and of those 15,000 inmates, many of them are are the worst of all criminals. There was a young lady by the last name Namad who was 16 years old when she was first thrown into this prison. As a 16-year-old, she, she described what took place with her there. She said, when you clear the gates, you're immediately blindfolded and brought underground. They take you for interrogation. They take you to a hallway and sit you down, and you're there for a long time. If you move or say anything, you're beaten. You must just sit perfectly still while still blindfolded, and you can wait for hours or days or even weeks. She said that, that they took her shoes off and she had bare feet and they, they lashed her feet with cables. And then she was forced to walk on her wounded and swollen feet and then it would all begin again as far as the interrogations were concerned. She said her particular cell had a toilet and a sink but no bed. And if she laid down, she could touch all the walls. She said that every day was like, it felt like 3,000 years they would regularly take her, blindfold her, take her out of her cell, down a long corridor, blindfolded. And when her blindfold was removed, she'd be facing firing squads. And then she would wait. And then they'd take her back into the cell again. The person that would take her back said that she was sentenced to death in court, and she said that I never had a trial And he said, yes, you did have a trial, but you just weren't there. And you read of other accounts, and it's some of the people were in cells that were designed for five or six people, but there were 60 inmates in these cells. Just brutal, the things that took place within these prison walls. I watched a program recently that described the worst prisons in the world, and and. And looking at the worst prisons of the world, it, it was just horrific to see the conditions in some of these prisons around the world, where inmates run everything that goes on. Um, 
the beatings, the brutality, all that takes place is just absolutely terrible. And, and, and thinking of, of this particular prison where cameras have not been allowed to go in, you, you would get arrested for taking pictures of it from even outside the prison. And to think of this pastor, Saeed Abedini, who has been waiting to see if he would be sentenced. He, he was sentenced by a judge who's known as the Hanging Judge, um, one of the most brutal judges in Iran. He was sentenced last Sunday to eight years in prison, eight years in this particular prison. His wife said that her first emotion went to her kids. They have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And she said, my daughter will be a teenager the next time she sees her dad. And her daughter heard him sit her say eight years, and she said, her daughter asked her, what's eight years? Just not, not even understanding the concept of eight years. And I could think of, of being in that, in that courtroom and hearing, hearing the words guilty or condemned. To wait and, and to see what this particular hanging judge would say. And then to find out that his sentence in is, is eight years. M- many say that, that, that it's, it's, it could be virtually impossible in prisons like that to live for eight years. And to, and to have something like that be your, your sentence. I spent time in China and I can, I can, I can remember ministering to these these pastors in in this hotel in china and and we had i don't know pastor jim was with me we 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 probably had 25 to 30 men that were were there for pastoral training and and um and after talking with them and listening to these pastors and listening to them talk about what prison was like. We, we listened to this older man. He was in his late 70s and uh, just the sweetest face. I, I, I love faces. And, and this man just had this leathery, sweet face, missing several teeth. And, and he, he talked about what it was like being in prison. And I remember asking him the question, um, what was the food like that they gave you? And, and his response was, I, I would never think of feeding my pigs what they feed me. He talked about being forced to lay down on the ground in the, court, in, the, in the outer area for hours and hours and hours in the rain, the beatings that took place, and all that occurred for him being a, a pastor in, in, in China. And, and we got a knock on the door saying, the police are here. Um, they wanted to see our paperwork, but all they had said was, the police are here. And we went downstairs, and by the time we got back up, this this man in his late 70s had scaled down three stories um, on the backside of this hotel and ran into the forest with some other people. And I just, I, I looked at where he went down and there's no way to do it without like swinging and then jumping and grabbing another bar and swinging. And I just thought, I don't even know how he made it down that. And yet the, the fear of being condemned, the fear of being found guilty, the fear of going into a prison like that is just severe, understandable. Um, and understandably so. And, 
And I look and I, I, I see our position here as believers. We have spent the last several months in the first seven chapters of Romans. And there, there is no doubt that we're guilty. As far as we deserve to be sentenced, not to heaven prison, but we deserve to be sentenced to eternity apart from, from Christ, apart from his glory, in a place where there's weeping and a gnashing of teeth, um, blackest darkness for all eternity. It's what, it's what we have earned. It's what we have deserved. Let's look at some of the passages and just kind of recount some of the things that we've, we've looked at. Look just in the first chapter of Romans, chapter 1, verse 18. He says here in Romans 1, 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their, own, their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Romans starts out by just saying they're guilty, all, all of us, all of them, all of mankind. They suppress the truth. The wrath of God is coming upon them because they suppress the truth. God's revealed himself to them, and yet they have suppressed the truth. They hated him, made for themselves their own gods, made in their own image. Their foolish hearts were darkened. He, he makes it so clear that that they are without excuse. They're just without excuse. All of us would be in a place of being without excuse. You think of the trial that took place with this particular pastor in Iran, and he only had less than a day to give his defense. And yet for us, if we were to bring our defense before God, we would not have a defense. We wouldn't have anything to stand on as far as, well, I didn't do that or I, I didn't do this. We, we tend to, to, to take our sin and, and play it down to where it's not that bad. And yet we're without excuse. I, I think of our little daughter. She's just two. And she, she's a little pistol sometimes. She knows sometimes when she does something wrong. But, but there's other times where she just, she doesn't know. We, we show her a lot of a lot of grace. Um, putting the kids to bed is one of the sweetest times because you just, you, you, you laid them down and we'll read Bible stories to them. We'll all pray, take turns praying. 
um, Natalie too, and uh, and maybe sing them a little song, and 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 then just we try to wait till they fall asleep and then leave the room. And um, this last week, Tasha was there, just rubbing Natalie's back as she's laying there in her crib, waiting to fall asleep, and. And Natalie looks up and just says, Mommy, I love you. And Tosh's like, oh. She goes, I love. She looks up and says, I I love you this much. (laughs) (laughs) And Tosh laughs. How much do you love me? She put her little hands three inches apart. This much. Tasha said, do you mean this much? No, this much. And we showed her grace. (laughs) But you think about it and you think that that's frequently how we view ourselves. We want to view ourselves in a place as we're not, we're not that bad. And yet God paints a totally different picture of us as he describes mankind. Look at, at verse 26 of Romans 1. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness. Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. There are whisperers and backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same thing, but also approve of those who practice them. I mean, God just lays it out for us as far as this is what man looks like. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit, absolutely perfect. When God looks upon mankind, when he looks upon sinful mankind, he just goes through and describes them. They're filled with all unrighteousness. They know the righteous judgment of God and that those who practice such things are deserving of death, but they do the same things. They know that it's, it's worthy of death, but they do the exact same things and they approve of those people who do the same things as well. And, and you look and, you know, we, we turned the news on last night for a while and just kind of watched to see what was going on. And it was, it was just story after story after story after story of just horrific things taking place. You think of the little five-year-old boy who is there underground and being held captive by this guy who shot a bus driver, killed him. And now it's been, I think we're on six days, 
this poor little boy being there, I don't know if anything happened overnight, but this poor little boy being there underground, crying out for his mommy and his daddy, and, and just there stuck underground in this place because this man wants to make some kind of point, politically or whatever it is. And we just watch story after story, and we, we may look and say, but we're not as bad as that. But God would look upon all mankind and say, that they're all guilty. They all suppress the truth. In, in chapter two, he says, therefore you are inexcusable, O man. You're without excuse at all. In verse one, in verse three, he says, and do you think this, O man, he goes on to say, that you'll escape the judgment of God? Do you think that there's any way that you'll escape the judgment of God? And we go look at ourselves and say, it's not that bad. But when God talks about it, he says, there's no way. Do you think that you're going to escape the judgment of God? In Romans 2, 5, he says, but in accordance with the hardness of your impenitent heart, you're treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. You're treasuring up, you're storing up for yourself wrath. And thus saith the Lord, this is what God says. You hear people say things like, well, I believe the Bible, but I just, I don't think God's going to send people to hell. You can't say that you believe the Bible, but you don't believe that God's going to send people to hell. I mean, you go through, we've just read a few passages this morning. It's throughout all of Scripture as far as the righteous judgment of God. It's throughout all of Scripture talking about our depravity, talking about the fact that, that we are wicked. The inclinations of our heart is only evil continually, that we all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. You look at Romans 3.10, and, and he gives a, a, a more clear, or continues to give a clear description of mankind. Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands, there's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside, all of them. They have together become unprofitable. There's none who does good, no, not one. Their throat isn't open to him. With their tongues, they've practiced deceit. The poison of asses is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under law that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Everybody is guilty. Everybody's mouths will be stopped. Everybody will be declared guilty. There's none that are righteous. No, not one. There's none who does good. None of us, not one person in this room or in this world could ever say, does not apply to me. All of us, that is in our flesh, all of us as far as prior to Christ, all of us are in a place of there's none righteous, no, not one. All of us are in a place of guilty. And, and I, I think of, of this pastor, and, and I, I think of this pastor, Saeed Abedini, and him there hearing guilty, 
eight years. And having his, his heart just, just, just sink within him. Knowing what Evan Prison is like, knowing where he's going, knowing that, that, as this young lady said, at age 16, every day felt like 3,000 years in this place. And the, the leaving of that, that courtroom, just looking at what is ahead of him. It calls for us to be um, in prayer for a man like that, as well as for his family, as well as others who are in the same circumstance that we don't even hear about, persecuted for their faith. But, but you, you turn it on us, and th- this man is going to prison for the sake of the gospel. We're condemned because we're sinners. We're condemned because we're guilty. We're condemned because we have sinned against a holy God. And, and even what the world will look at as, as the smallest sins are those sins that separate us from a holy God. But in these chapters here, as much as you, you see, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I, I'm inexcusable. My, my mouth will be stopped we are presented in the first seven chapters of Romans with the glorious gospel over and over and over again. I could never get tired of talking about the gospel. I can never get tired of talking about what it is that God has freed us from because when you sit and you hear what we have just read and you realize guilty on all accounts, guilty. And then you hear words like, Romans 3.21, if you want to turn there. Romans 3.21. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law. Not based upon our keeping of the law, but based upon his keeping of the law and his taking our punishment that we deserved upon himself a righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. All of Scripture talked about it. It pointed ahead to Christ. It pointed to him to come. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. You'll find it over and over again. In the first seven chapters of the book of Romans, Paul is creating a case. He's presenting a case. The Holy Spirit is presenting a case as far as you're all guilty, but here's the gospel. Every one of you are guilty, but here's the gospel. Verse 24 of chapter 3, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All of it is pointing to the cross. All of it is pointing to what Christ has done. It's, it's free. It's by grace. It's based on Christ. It's not based on us. It's not based upon our obedience to the law. It's based upon his obedience to the law. You were all guilty, but there's this foreign righteousness, a righteousness that's not your own, that is being placed upon your account, and you didn't do anything to earn it, but it was him that fulfilled all righteousness. Your righteousness was like filthy rags in his sight, but he fulfilled all righteousness, and he tells us that there's this righteousness of God that's revealed. He makes the point all the way through, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who does good. There's no fear of God in them. This is who man is, but there's this other righteousness. And it's apart from the law. 
There's this other righteousness that you and I could never do. And it's what Christ has done for us. And it comes to us by faith. I mean, you're talking about the greatest gift that anybody could ever be given. You stand there condemned. You stand there facing far worse than Evan Prison. You, you face eternity apart from God, eternity in hell. You're, you're facing that. There's no escape. There's no way out apart from receiving a gift, a foreign righteousness that's placed upon your account, and it comes by grace, and it comes through faith, and it comes by Christ alone. And we look at this, and it's just the best news that anybody could ever hear. Justified. Made as if you had never sinned at all. Freely by his grace. You look at verse 28 of Romans chapter 3. Therefore we conclude that man, a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. He's making this case over and over again. It's not by the law. It's not by you keeping the law. It's not by you having your good deeds outweigh your, your bad deeds. You, you can't do it. There's, there's none who does good. So there's a righteousness that comes and it's apart from the law. And it comes by faith. And, and, and the, whole, the whole point of, of this section is that God's telling us it's all by faith. Every cult, every sect of, of, of what would be so-called Christianity that says, here's how you can be saved. You've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do all these things. Here's what you need to do. And they give you the list of all the things that you need to do. Or other religions that go through and say, here's the things that you need to do. You need to build up good karma or you need to obey the five pillars of Islam. Here's all the things that you need to do. R- Romans chapters 1 through 7 just blow that out of the water and just say, no, they're, they're There is no way that you could ever be saved apart from faith in the work of Christ. It's not the law. It's not you keeping the law. It's him keeping the law and fulfilling all righteousness and then taking the punishment that you deserved upon himself. And so we find it brought up over and over again. It's by faith. Paul wants to make this point. The Holy Spirit wants to make this point because it changes everything for us. Look at at chapter 4 of Romans, verse 22. We look at him talking about Abraham. We look at him talking about other figures in the, in the Old Testament, but here specifically with Abraham. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. He was saved And it was accounted unto him for righteousness by faith. It was by faith. And so these people would have been reading this. We will read this and look at it and say, how was Abraham saved? By faith. How was it accounted to him for righteousness? By faith. How was it accounted to us for righteousness? By faith. The point is, let's bring up another example. We'll bring up another example. Bring another example so that there is no doubt in your mind. And it is absolutely crystal clear to you that you are saved by faith alone. In Christ alone. In chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We've been justified by faith, and now we have peace with God. Not only that, but we rejoice. In the hope of the glory of God. Everything has changed for us. 
peace with God. In Romans 5, 6, it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so his, his point is, is, when did he save us? Did he save us when we got everything together? Did he save us when, when we took all of our works and said, here it is, I'm pretty good, I've, I've, I've got my life together, here it is? His, his point is, no, when did God save us? When we were still sinners. When we were still sinners. When we were without strength. When we were ungodly. When we were in that place. God demonstrates his love for us. When you were ungodly, without strength, had nothing to offer him, it was at that time that Christ died for you. It was at that time that he died for me. And if he died for us when we were still sinners, much more than he says, now that you and I, we we, we sit here, justified we, we sit here through faith in the work of christ upon the cross justified is is white as snow in god's eyes our our sins have been hurled into the depths of the sea he doesn't remember it anymore you've been made his bride you've been made his child you've been given eternal life if if this is what has happened to us much more than you will be saved from wrath through him Through Christ, you will be saved from wrath. There will never be the day as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ where you will stand there walking down a corridor like that young lady did going into Evan Prison, waiting to be tortured or to be tormented day and night. It will not happen where you will be walking down a corridor to spend eternity in hell because of the sins you've committed. And the reason why is because Christ died for the ungodly. If he died for you when you were a sinner, now when you're justified, Paul says, you shall be saved from wrath. You'll be saved from it all. Look at Romans 5, verse 17. For if by... One man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more than, or much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, meaning Adam, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, meaning Christ, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. He brings us to this place of picture sin abounding. It just keeps coming. Grace abounded much more. God's grace just poured out upon us. 
At the end of Romans chapter 7, he comes to this place that we looked at last week. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? A wretched man that I am, this is who I am, this, this wretched man who not only has sinned in incredible ways, but even as a believer, there's still this battle that takes place where, where you're, you're there and, and the things you want to do, you don't do. The things that you hate to do are the very things that you do. And Paul comes to this place of, oh, I, I, I do the things I don't want to do. There's this battle between me and my flesh and the flesh just keeps winning and I hate this. I don't do the things I want to do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then his response is, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who's going to deliver me? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then we come right to Romans chapter 8. The next thing he says there is, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. We who deserved condemnation because by faith in Christ we have been justified with the righteousness that was not our own, which was a foreign righteousness that was placed upon our account. By faith in Christ, we look and we see just the sweetest words. I I pray that, that these would just be sweet, sweet words to you this morning. There is therefore... As a result of everything that we have looked at in the first seven chapters of Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. At this time, the word now is not saying just specifically at this particular time, but it is who you are. It is something that will continue forever. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We, we need to understand Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Aren't we quick to condemn ourselves? We are. We, we are so quick to to condemn ourselves. We're so quick to look at ourselves and say, okay, I, I, I think I did something to lose it. You hear people say things like, I hope that, that when I die, it's, it's right after just doing something really good, living in a way that's that's that's." That's just incredibly righteous. And I get that. I mean, I, I would love to go home to be with the Lord on a good note. <laughs> There's ways I don't want to go home. I, caught in, in, in sin. <laughs> Jim Milligan was talking about being on one of the top of the skyscrapers there in Irvine, showing some people around. And there was a bolt that was sticking up like this high, and he tripped over it. And he, he was kind of close to the edge. He didn't go down, but the, he told me about it, and I thought, that'd be a bad way to go. I mean, you just thought it was like, he tripped. <laughs> and you're going down the whole way, like, why did I trip? I mean, you, you have some time to think <laughs> on your way down. It's not quick. 
But I for sure wouldn't want to be in a place of, of just being in, in terrible sin at the time that I, I died. But the fact is, is that our salvation is not based on how well we finish. It's based on how well Christ finished. And he finished perfectly. I mean, he, he finished perfectly. When he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's not based on our performance. We are so quick to condemn ourselves when God is saying, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We're very quick to condemn others. And yet God would say to us, there is therefore now no condemnation. There are those that would want to put a heavy weight on you. But the gospel says there is therefore now no condemnation. It doesn't mean that we don't pursue righteousness and desire to live for him and to serve him. I mean, it goes with being saved. We look at that last week as far as he is not only our savior, but he's also our Lord and we desire to follow him. And if, and if you say, yeah, I, I want to receive the gift, but I don't care at all what he thinks now. The question is, is, has the Holy Spirit regenerated you? Because if the Holy Spirit's regenerated you, there is fruit that comes from your life, fruit of repentance, fruit of righteousness. There's changes that take place in your life when you see that God has saved you. But our salvation is not based on our performance. It's based on what Christ has done. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Specifically, we look at for those who are in Christ Jesus, who are found in him. We saw that in Romans 6 and verse 3 where he says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also will be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. In 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Or Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are found in him. When he died on that cross, we died with him. When he was buried, we were buried with him. When he rose again from the dead, we rose again with him. We are found in him. And the reason that we're found in him is because of the gospel. We read in, in our scripture reading this morning from Philippians 3, 8 and 9, where, where Paul says, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. It comes from God by faith, we're found in him. So when God looks upon us, he sees us in his son, in Christ. And so here, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You are a part of him. He died, you died with him. He was buried, you were buried with him. He rose, you rose again with him. Our identity is in him. Even, even in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, referring to the church, he says, now you are what? The body of Christ. 
You are the body of Christ. You are found in him, in his body. You are a part of him. When God looks upon us, he sees all of the righteousness of Christ. So where when he looks at us, we're just covered with robes of righteousness, but they're Christ's robes of righteousness. We're found in him, and that's the gospel. There's no condemnation to any of us who are found in Christ. What a position to be. You can't be halfway in him and and part of the way out. You are either in him as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, or you are not in him. You're either a wheat or a tear. You, you are either a sheep that is a part of his fold, or you're not. You're either a child of God or not. There's no in-between. And the only way that you could ever be found in him is by faith in the gospel, the regeneration that comes by the Holy Spirit, for whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's the gospel. And so we read these verses, and I, this, these words, and I, I pray that it would be sweet to us as we close this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. May that free us and cause joy to come out of our hearts in such a way that He is worshiped and magnified with everything within us. We're going to close in prayer and then I'm going to invite Pastor Bill to lead us in communion. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the gospel. Lord, we we thank you that you have saved us from eternity apart from you. We think of this pastor, Saeed Abedini, Lord, and we just pray that you would minister to him today, to his family. Pray that you would make a way for him to be released. We know you could do that. But Lord, just pray for a special blessing upon him today. Encourage his heart and the hearts of so many who are in the same place around the world. But we thank you, Lord, that the just judgment that we deserved has been taken away from us to where we will no longer experience wrath ever, ever again. Because you took all the wrath that we could have ever deserved upon yourself as you hung on that cross. May that result in in heartfelt praise as we partake in communion and as we worship you in song. We ask these things in Jesus' name.